Hello, cinephiles, and welcome to Silver Screen Sips, a podcast where three idiots talk about movies. And today we have our special guest, Mr. Bob Book from the Film and Whiskey podcast. We will be talking about a few different movies today, as it is our listeners episode. And just as a warning, there are spoilers for movies and TV shows that you may not have seen uh, coming soon. I fucked half of that up. But anyway, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay. They know. They know by now. Yeah. Just know you've been warned. Okay. We talk about lots of movies and TV shows that maybe aren't the movie we're talking about this episode. They could be anything. So just letting you know if we do spoil something, don't come hate us. Simple as that. Um, but but yes, do we do have. Us, but if you do hate us, what? We're ready. I mean, that's really. Oh. <laughs> we'll fight you. Um, we do have our guest today, Bob Book. How are you doing, Bob? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you for being on the show. Um, we so this is our listeners episode, so it's a little bit different than our normal episodes go. So we spoke before the show and you have your own film to watch as along with all of us. We all watched our own films, too. So we'll take turns kind of discussing what we watched, who suggested it and what we thought of it, oh, okay. whether it's good or bad. I see. I didn't realize that each. So each person was assigned one one movie that they watched solo for this. Podcast. Yes. Nice. Yes. OK, cool. Yeah. And so, you guys just stuck me with the most problematic one of all of them. Oh, yeah. Love so, it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Love it. Um, We'll get to that in just a second. But uh, <laughs> why don't you? <laughs> Why don't you kind of tell uh, the listeners a little bit what your podcast is about? Yeah, so uh, my podcast is called Film and Whiskey. It is perhaps the most self-explanatory podcast title of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. Very similar to your title. I'm I'm surprised that uh, we haven't been crossing paths before now. But I know th- the premise of the show is that like I grew up a huge movie nerd, and my friend Brad had not seen a lot of classic movies growing up. And so uh, it was my opportunity to like introduce him to classic movies and to get his unfiltered, unbiased opinion, because like divorced from all the history of movies, he doesn't know what was a big landmark, important movie and what just comes across as boring to him in 2023. So while we do that, we sip a new expression of whiskey each week. We uh, we actually went to grad school together in Kentucky and fell in love with bourbon like right around the same time that we were kicking around the idea of this podcast. And so eventually we were like, hey, let's just pair these things up. And yeah, right now we're in season six of the podcast. So it's been going pretty strong. Nice. Yeah, we um, I am also surprised that we haven't crossed paths because we're practically the same. Just you, <laughs> you're you're a more. um focused on like whiskey whereas we kind of just go all over the place but i love that um lewis as well you know he's kind of like the odd man out between all three of us just because he he doesn't work in film or have like experience with film he just likes movies so isaiah and i both have a lot of experience in like the industry and stuff so we kind of teach him new things every episode but I love uh, it. You know how to how to say biopic instead of biopic. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's a That's like an epidemic. I feel like everywhere I go, I hear people pronounce it that way. Mm-hmm. It makes it so, sound like a medical procedure. So here's the thing. Um, there's two things. One, when I first said it that way, like biopic, 
they told me it was a completely different thing from a biopic. Number one. Number two, when I looked it up, I actually heard the pronunciation both in American English and in Queen's English. And people from England are the ones who pronounce it biopic. Oh, and that's well, the reason why. OK. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It doesn't help that. Excuses. Lou's got a medical background, so of course it does sound like a procedure. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah. My, my background's in, in pre med, and now I'm actually going into a, a master's as well, um, but for counseling. Awesome. Yeah. And so if you ever need a therapist, they <laughs> <laughs> lose your guy. Right. Yeah. Um, do you have anything, any questions or anything before we get started? I think I'm good. I, uh, I listened to a couple episodes today. I, uh, oh, cool wrongly disagree with fallen kingdom being the worst movie you guys have done that was oh <laughs> fallen kingdom you liked yeah. it uh I, i'm not saying that but <laughs> <laughs> but i was i was just a little shocked that it was like that was the title and i was like oh this is gonna be they're gonna be reviewing cats or something and then it was jurassic world <laughs> fallen. especially right. since i thought the 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 newest one was significantly worse than the second one granted at the time of recording that one, we hadn't seen the Whoa. latest one. So it was a little late for that. But yeah, yeah. it's it, real bad. Yeah, and, and, it yeah. Was, in terms of like, I mean, I, well, I'm sure you listen to our actual recording on Dominion, but um, I don't know. I, I would say in terms of like visually and, and cohesiveness in the story it was somewhere along <laughs> the way better at some point. <laughs> yeah, but but still they're both just atrocious movies as overall i just kind of liked it the second one just like kind of threw its hands up in the air and said all right this is a b movie and we're just gonna like make it a haunted house monster movie now and i was like cool you know i'm glad that they like didn't try to rise of skywalker it and make it somehow fit into some some universe don't get us started on (laughs) star wars if we if we actually had to say it's the worst movie ever done, yeah, that we've ever done, it was actually Rise of Skywalker. But there you go. That was like the first. That was our first season with Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So we we had a long episode for the the sequels. I guess is what you yeah, call them. But yeah, we have totally avoided the sequels because it's just we're at the point now where it's like I don't know what we would add to the conversation or that the hasn't arguments. already been said. Yeah. yeah. And and Brad is on one side of uh, Last Jedi, and I'm on the other side, and it's just like, which side are you on? I loved it. Yeah, All right. I, it was great yeah. having you on the show. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just it's like an immediate disqualification for whichever side you're well, on. Well, so. I think Lewis liked it, right? When I first saw it, before we reviewed it, like that was a different story. But when I first saw it, I actually initially told. Um, Bethany and her boyfriend. I was like, you guys are actually gonna, like, I think you'll like this uh, because visually it definitely like, you oh, know, yeah, for sure. It's very exciting and everything like that. But then when you break it down as like an actual Star Wars film, there's a lot. It's definitely, it's, yeah, it's definitely flawed. I'm not going to act like it's, you know, Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think it's or the greatest one, Phantom Menace. But... Right. Oh, God. <laughs> I think it's great. As a standalone film, yeah. But as a huge Star Wars nerd, it, there's certain things that they did that I was... I mean, the whole sequel, I was just like, what the fuck? This is yeah. not Star Wars. Yeah. But, you know, I feel like it's a very... Um, I try to avoid, like, with 
friends and coworkers and stuff to avoid just talking about Star Wars, the sequel in general, because everyone has very, they're never like neutral. It's very strong either or. So it's like, oh, you gotta, you gotta yeah, tiptoe around I feel it. it. I feel it. Anyway, sorry to open up like four different cans of worms right before you hit record. <laughs> You're good. <laughs> we okay. we derail. Yeah, we redail, uh, derail all the time. So yeah, that, that we, have, we encourage it, if anything. Great. The other thing you should definitely tell Bethany is that you thought Solo was a good movie. Nope. <laughs> oh, thank you. No, that movie. And he I says like, it to piss me off and oh, it gosh, works. That movie was a mess. <laughs> yeah, that was that was rough. I was doing um I had a fight. I do I do um Brazilian jiu-jitsu and I had oh, nice. a a um fight that I was doing and Lewis was there to watch and he just yelled from the sidelines. He was like she said solo was a good movie <laughs> just to like get me really mad so that I would beat her. <laughs> but I was filming so now it it's become time. Yeah, now it's become a, a running joke. But I actually remember in the middle of the fight, you like stopped and looked at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I guess we can start with Isaiah's film. So why don't you tell us what you had to watch and what you thought of it? Arguably the best of the four films, but we'll, we'll find out. Um, I don't, I don't know. know. My film was pretty fucking good. <laughs> we'll, we'll find out shortly. <laughs> yeah. I have some thoughts to say about your film, Beth, but uh, we oh will. Go, yeah. Oh, I need to hear. Um, so my film was Goodwill Hunting, and it was suggested by Jenna. Thank you, Jenna. Now, thank you, Jenna. I don't have a lot of notes on the movie. It's it's a it's fantastic. That's all I got to say. Like it's it's a it's a perfect movie. It's a five out of five for me. That's why I put. I rarely do five out of fives. And he rarely does. Yeah. So like, if you looked at my letterbox, it's like. Five out of five. It's the first. It's the first five out of five I've done in like months. Do you know? Um. Do you know what Letterbox is? Oh yeah. Oh, I'm very active on Letterbox. Oh, good, good. We'll have to. We'll have to follow each other because I'm not. I'm not an interesting person to follow though because I just like. (laughs) Like I rate the movie out of five and I make no comments on it. It's more just so I remember like what I wanted the movie to be considered. But I'm not Mm. good at like the short, quippy, twittery. Uh, that's isaiah all the yeah. way yeah, he does quick <laughs> little one-liners yeah so if you want to know what i thought of a movie with absolutely no other context around it you can follow me on <laughs> on, on Letterboxd. Yeah. yeah i did that at first where i didn't i didn't um write like reviews or anything i just kind of rated them but more recently actually i think since we started really getting into the show i started writing lengthier reviews more so just for like practice so that I don't just come onto the show and be like, uh, it looked pretty, you know, (laughs) I actually can have some like decent thoughts. Um, but yeah, no, I, I, I also like the whole like list making concept where you can Mm. have like your favorites, whatever is like, I have like favorite horror movies. We talked about this in the last episode, Letterboxd. I really do think they should sponsor us at this point. (laughs) I feel like every episode we talk about them. They're getting too much free publicity out of you guys. Yeah. But continue, Isaiah. Sorry. So like, so for, for mine, yeah, I didn't put like a uh, quippy uh, response. So like on my Instagram, if it's a new movie that's like in theaters or like a Netflix original or anything like that, I'll usually make, make like an actual review and have like the 
breakdown of like, oh, this is what's good. Here's what's bad. All that said, et cetera, et cetera. Ironically enough, though, on Letterboxd, I put the quippy one-liner ones, which is uh, I put horny for math. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because it, I know the, so the movie's fantastic. It, like I said, it, all the acting is on par. Like it's just top tier. Um, the writing is phenomenal. I almost cried during the, one of the scenes where, um, Robin Williams and uh, Matt Damon are together and they're like having that moment of he's finally realizing what's his problem. And it was like, ah, oh, God, this is getting you right in the heart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and like the argument between Robin Williams and, uh, I forgot his name. I think it's Alan Skarsgård. He, they have like this big argument and it's, you can just feel like, even though you, they, they're all acting and stuff like that, but you can feel like someone's angry at somebody for something. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, I've heard the stories of like, oh, that uh, Matt Damon and Ben Affleck wrote the movie, right? And then they included a sex scene in there just to see who was, who was reading the movie, like who's reading the scripts. I was like, I was, th- I was like trying to think in my head of like, okay, what point is that scene gonna? Would they throw that in there so that just puts everybody like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's in the beginning where Robin Williams first meets Matt Damon. We're not gonna talk about that, but yeah, like, <laughs> the one thing—the one thing that was like that was odd. I, but it doesn't detract from the movie. I just think it makes it funnier, or like just you know, just weird. Is um, Skarsgård's character? He like just openly hits on students, and then also is like just really into math to the point where he's saying like it's erotic. And I'm like, you're such a weird dude. You really like numbers, don't you? <laughs> guess what his favorite number is? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. So I don't know. I give it a five out of five. To, thank you, Jennifer. Because I, I never watched this movie. I never watched this movie before. And I wasn't I wasn't really planning on watching it. Like it wasn't on my to do list anywhere. So thank you, Jennifer, for recommending it. Because finally, I've seen this movie. <laughs> also, Robin Williams was a goat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All the way. All the way. One of the one of the best. One of my favorites. I watched it actually not super duper long ago, maybe a year or two ago. And I had never even heard of it. And um, actually, my boyfriend, Jacob, got me to watch it. He was like, you need to watch this. If you love Robin Williams, you will love this movie. And he wasn't wrong. <laughs> I, 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 like Isaiah, it made me like want to cry. It's just it tugs at your heartstrings. And it's also just like, oh, the acting. Come on. I think the next movie is uh, what I have to watch is um, Dead Poet Society. <laughs> yes, that's, exactly what I was, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, Dead Poets Society is an incredible film, and it's definitely uh, it, it's going to do the same thing that that this that Goodwill Hunting does as far as tugging at your heartstrings. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah. also just as far as um, not even just Williams' character, but like I'm not going to spoil anything, but you can see Robin Williams uh, doesn't just act like he really lives and breathes the character that he plays in that movie. Mm-hmm. And it's it's fantastic. I don't think I've seen this film. Either. I am so <laughs> that sorry. Happens frequently. There, yeah. The people, the people at uh, off my road here, they love to just speed like motorcycles all the time. So I apologize for that. But um, I don't think I've seen Dead Poet Society either. So I saw it in high school originally. I'll have to Rob watch Williams it. Double feature. <laughs> yeah. Can absolutely. I can I throw in a third one? Oh yeah. What's the third? Uh, there's a movie it came out the year after Dead Poet Society called Awakenings. You guys ever heard of this movie? Yes. All right. So this is one of those like shamelessly manipulative and corny like Oscar bait type movies. 
mm-hmm. and it's Robin Williams and Robert De Niro. And uh, Robin Williams is he works in a hospital with people who they have a condition where they're like cata- kind of catatonic, but they're like awake and they just can't move or anything. And he develops uh, a drug that ha- that lets them have these awakenings. And uh, I won't spoil the ending of the movie, but Robin uh, Robert De Niro is one of his patients. And this movie is like I I am like hyperventilating, crying at the end of this movie. It's, <laughs> Robin Williams is like he just exudes so much warmth. And I think that's what yeah. you guys are getting at. Like yeah. he embodies this. Uh, like I, I've seen a few movies where he ends up being the bad guy and I think he does a good job, but it's really hard to buy him as a bad guy because you could tell he was just such a kind soul. Mm hmm. I think the one we should talk about is Mrs. Doubtfire. Just saying. Oh, yeah. That's his best well, yeah. film of all time. Oh. <laughs> yeah, no, without a doubt. But yeah. um, to, to piggyback on, on what he was mentioning about awakening. So the, the condition they all have is actually Parkinson's disease. There's a form of it that can lead you into a catatonic state. Um, the drug they develop is L-DOPA, which mm-hmm. is the first treatment for Parkinson's. Um, Awakenings is actually based on the book and studies by Dr. Oliver Sack. Um, he, I know that name. Yes, I mentioned, I mentioned him previously. He died of ocular cancer not too long ago. Mm. Um, but he's my favorite, um, probably one of the favorite neurologists that I've ever heard of. And definitely one of the best writers I've seen, or well, read. But, um, but yeah, no, Awakenings, Awakenings was definitely... Like, I don't want to undermine your touching moment here, but like, what's what's the top five neurologist list look like? Is that like a like, <laughs> you're like one? I mean, seriously, one of my favorites. Like, I'm I'm shocked that I know one neurologist. I mean, I I'm, know I'm, one now. <laughs> well, no, I, I would. I mean, I wouldn't technically refer to him as a neurologist, but I would say like uh, Ben Carson is technically a neurosurgeon. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't really consider him a favorite, being his his. <laughs> the can of worms that he said he may creates every time he opens his mouth. Sure. <laughs> but um, I think yeah, another, a third one would be a character that I know of. Um, a fourth of the neurologist I actually saw personally or uh, I, th- I thought I had like this weird neurological condition in my hands. I don't understand why, but it turns out I didn't. Um, I don't have a fist. <laughs> I, I'm really happy that you gave that. I could even yeah, think of right. Yeah, no, I, I figured, but um, I'm like Doctor Seuss. Is that does that count? <laughs> <laughs> what did he do? Um, and before we can steer back to the conversation that we were supposed to have, I'm going to add a fourth film to this list that we should watch. Um, it's Patch Adams. There you go. Mm. Patch Adams. We could have a whole episode just about Robin Williams films. Yeah, no, What's, you really could. And I then, also wanted to add another one. <laughs> Well, before you do, uh, I also met the real life Patch Adams. It was oh, I thought you were about to say crazy. Robin Williams. No, no, I met I met the real life Patch Adams, and that was fucking phenomenal. That's awesome. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, what is the one where he's he ages? Um, oh, but Jack. Mentally, do- yes. Oh my god, Jack. Have you watched that movie like as an adult? Yes, I have not. Okay, I haven't seen it since I was like eight years old, and I'm really. I'm watch really it. scared you'll, that it's not going to hold up. No, watch it. You'll ball your eyes out. You'll <laughs> okay. need your you'll need like an inhaler. You'll be hyperventilating that much. I think Isaiah, if you liked Goodwill Hunting, you'd definitely. Just I would watch it too. Jack, adding, oh, 
all my lists the the, Rob, the robin williams collection <laughs> yeah new letterbox list is just robin williams films <laughs> forget the hunger games we're gonna just go through all of robin williams films next put that on the list isaiah uh all right well would you say a five out of five five out of five wow yeah that's yeah. very rare for you i'm very uh, picky <laughs> well deserved oh yeah i'm glad that you rated it that high because i was i didn't want to say anything about the film because i hate when people are like you need to watch this film it's so good because then i go in overhyped and then i'm usually disappointed so i was trying to stay quiet on this one i was like i'm just gonna let him go in yeah for for me when we were picking out our films i was like no i say i like i already thought isaiah had already seen goodwill hunting then i was like Mm. if he hasn't isaiah i just want isaiah to watch this i want to know what he thinks because i would actually like a genuine film critic review yeah Um, movie good that's his review (laughs) (laughs) uh so bob why don't you why don't you kind of go into what you had to watch since it's completely opposite what you're sounding like very very much bad will hunting Mm -hmm. is the movie that i watched (laughs) (laughs) the the slasher movie sequel to good will hunting uh no i i had 1974's chinatown Mm. Uh, and I don't know which listener suggested this. Do you have that pulled up? Uh, yeah, I do. That is uh, Thomas C. Thomas. Good taste, yes. my man. <laughs> I had not watched Chinatown. <laughs> I hadn't watched Chinatown in like, I don't know, 15 years, probably. And, you know, I think I watched it the first time when I was in high school and I was like, oh, this is kind of boring. I don't understand why it's, you know, considered one of the 25 best American movies of all time and watching it again this time. Freaking mind-blowingly good. Um, I hadn't seen it since they like restore. I don't know if it was like a restoration or if they just you know went back and like digitally remastered it. But it like looks George gorgeous. Lucas yes, did with Star they, Wars. <laughs> they they inserted stormtroopers into the background. It was incredible. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I mean, it looks really good. Jack Nicholson's incredible. Faye Dunaway. That's probably the best performance by her I've ever seen. Um. Yeah, it's a great mystery. It's a great film noir. I don't know. Have you guys seen Chinatown before? Yeah. Hey, oh. There's, oh. A, <laughs> there's, yeah. A, there's a history behind it. There's, oh. there's, a, there's, there's a very personal reason why Isaiah and I personally... I don't know if Lewis has ever seen it. No, I haven't. I actually flipped the coin because, Bob, you were either going to watch Chinatown or the one that I saw, which was Let the Right One In. Oh, there you go. Okay. It's it's funny because I've I've actually based on the personal experience that Beth's had I've actually never seen Chinatown. Oh, I've managed to skirt away from the studio. You're a from, lucky bastard, then. Yeah, well, I'm sure she she'll go into it and explain it, but I was like to put it out that I actually somehow managed to escape the the, the horror. <laughs> All right, let's let's hear the reasoning. I'm sure if I watched this on my own, I probably wouldn't. I wouldn't even say hate it as much as I do, but like maybe I would be a little more neutral towards it. But Isaiah and I both went to the same film school. And there was a small selection of movies that every single class shuffled through. It was Chinatown, um, The Shining, and what was the other one that they would always go through? Is it not? Is it not Lewis's movie? Because that was there was that another was one. Seven. It might oh no, no, no. It might have been um, what is it, Amelie? Is that how you say it? Oh, oh yeah, Amelie. Yeah. 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 Those were the three films that I saw 
probably at least 20 times throughout <laughs> my degree. So that explains why you hate Amelie. Yeah. Yeah. I I can say for a fact those three films are some of my least favorite films. I'm like, I liked The Shining the first time I saw it on my own when I was way younger. But then when you have to see it a dozen times and break it down scene by scene and like the professors are all over these movies too. So it's like, okay, calm down, buddy. (laughs) So it's like, that's the only reason. I mean, maybe if I watched it now, like outside of that, like atmosphere, maybe I could change my mind, but I just have that personal vendetta against it. So here's what I'll say is going for it in its favor is that it's like the least pretentious movie that I could have imagined it be. I thought that it was going to be like, you know, the film school professor circle jerk movie. And it it wasn't like it was it was really gritty. And the script is it's probably one of the most perfect scripts I've ever seen acted out on screen. There's like. There's like many Chekhov's gun moments, like everything has a payoff. It's a great mystery um, and a really like super downbeat film noir ending. Like it's kind of a gut punch. It's super good. I I will say I agree with you about The Shining. Um, My hot take is always that like I think Kubrick is a more up and down filmmaker than people want to admit. I I am so glad that you think that because yeah, I feel I, like I'm the only one that thinks no, that. No, I think there's like an emperor's new clothes thing going on with Kubrick and everyone <laughs> just like whenever a movie comes out from a director like that, that doesn't fully work. Like for some reason, there's certain directors that we all say like, well, it must be something wrong with us. Like I must just not get it. And it's like, no, maybe he just made a bad movie. And yeah, I, you know what I mean? Like there's a couple of filmmakers today working like that. Sorry, there's something in my throat <laughs> there. <for a> second. <laughs> that I think get the benefit of the doubt a little bit. Like I've I've not been a huge fan of every single one of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies. I think some of them mm. are masterpieces, and some of them I could just skip. Um, but Kubrick's definitely that guy for me. Yeah, up and down kind of thing. But Chinatown, not up and down. All all <laughs> up, no down. What all would up, you rate it down. on a like on a scale of one to five? I would give this movie a five out of five. And I was not expecting to say that at all. It incredibly entertaining movie. I have to to watch that next. It's on HBO Max. Throw the subtitles on. I don't know if you guys watch everything with subtitles. I watch everything with subtitles now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Just freaking fantastic. It'll be the the fastest two hours and 10 minutes. uh, You know, super entertaining, well paced. Can't speak highly enough of it. I'm super glad that Thomas had me watch this movie. Well, my um, my professor will love you. So <laughs> a plus. Um, all right. So we're going to take a brief minute just to thank our sponsor for our episode today. Shaker and Spoon. It is a monthly subscription service that gives you bar quality recipes and ingredients designed by award winning mixologists. Uh, if you'd like your very own subscription, then you can head over to shakerandspoon.com and use our promo code SIPS10 to get $10 off your first subscription. Again, that is promo code SIPS10, S-I-P-S, 10, to get $10 off. All right, so let's just keep the ball rolling with five stars here. Let's talk about my film. I watched Interstellar. Okay, that was my film. I watched Interstellar. It was suggested by... <laughs> I just I just saw Bob's face. <laughs> what happened? I just saw Bob's face. He does, uh, he does not agree. <laughs> 
No way. No, I just smelled something real bad over here. That's what that face uh, was. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh. it was. It's what was coming out of her mouth. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was the bullshit. <laughs> um. So, uh, this film was suggested by two people actually, DJ and Ellis. Good old Ellis. We miss you. Um. So, I have quite a few facts actually, Isaiah. I wrote some facts because that was to me, that was the most intriguing part of the film was the work that went into making it. And it's very rare for me to actually like look into behind the scenes of a film and how it's made. I think the last one I really looked deep into was the new avatar just because come on. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Had to. Um, But the, all right, Isaiah, get ready. Hans Zimmer. Yeah, yeah, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> I I will say this is probably my favorite soundtrack he's ever composed. Um the I think the song is called like In the Cornfields or Chasing in the Cornfields, something like that. There's a, one of the pieces It's called the Cornfield. It's called the Cornfield Chase. The Cornfield Chase. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um it is just so beautiful and you can hear it. It's kind of like a he kind of uses it as a motif throughout the entire film. And you can hear it just slightly different at certain parts. Um, and it's just so iconic. Like I oh, it's amazing. Um, now, Christopher Nolan. He directed this film. He did indeed. And <laughs> I have a love hate relationship with this man. Um, for one thing, not a huge fan of Dark Knight Rises or um, Tenet, which I haven't seen Tenet, so I can't say anything. But it's it just doesn't seem like my kind of thing. Um, You're just passing judgment already. I like it. I'm not a huge fan of Tenet. Haven't seen it, but I don't yeah. like it. Oh, st- we do straight judgment here. That's all we do. <laughs> after, after you yeah. said you don't like Dark Knight Rises, it was nice being part of this podcast. I will yeah. be putting in my resignation. <laughs> Um, well, I'm not saying it's a bad film. I'm just saying it's not his best work. That's all I'm saying for okay. a Christopher Nolan film. I, I retract my resignation. <laughs> now, I think actually seeing this film made me really excited for uh, Oppenheimer. Mm-hmm. Have you guys? I, I don't know if you guys have all seen the trailer for that, but You're oh, my God, I that's probably wait. going to be the next film I see in theaters. I can't wait to go into like a Dolby theater and have my my soul be shattered. <laughs> yeah, with just the loud explosions. With your eardrum just ruptured. Yes. Yeah. Your face wanna, just melts I wanna, off. I want to leave feeling like I just watched an actual nuclear bomb, which apparently, if he could, I feel like he would. <laughs> Did yeah. you guys see this news story that he like? Yes. Yeah. We, I still don't know. I need the details of this because it's like apparently he recreated a nuclear blast, but with none of the radiation. And yeah. I'm like, did he just invent a new clean energy version of an atomic bomb? Like, I don't understand. It sounded like weirdly pro bomb, like all, all the blast, none of the radiation. Like, I, I was very confused. He straight up. Like, we, call, we have an episode. Um, I think I forgot what it's called. I mean, I forgot Christopher what, Nolan. Yeah, it's a commits like a war crime. <laughs> That's a, one of the episodes names. And it's us talking about. Uh, a big part of it is us talking about him blowing up something without the radiation 
he literally just took like the most amount of explosives he possibly could put him in like the middle of nevada or somewhere like in the desert and just blew it up and recorded it and said we got it boys (laughs) (laughs) it's uh, yeah he said it's basically like supposed to just emulate an atomic bomb without it actually it's not an actual atomic bomb because that would be a literal war crime which is what we were talking (laughs) about but it's it's a big enough explosion that you can get the shots to make it look like an atomic got bomb. It. Got it. So okay. dude, that's what but, I would want to see. You tell me that if this man could not, like he did not, yeah, he would. His first idea was not to like contact Congress and be like, hey, could I? <laughs> yeah. So here, um, listen, I was thinking. Yeah. No, the, the closest thing I can, sorry. Uh, the closest thing I can think of is if he, you know, got short of acquiring as many explosives as he did this the next best thing i would have thought of is he acquired the permission to detonate a hydrogen bomb which would give relatively the same effect just not the same radius but i don't know we'll find out it doesn't do enough damage that's that's his key component (laughs) there that he looks at um anyways yeah so that just it made me excited for that film but uh the the cinematography alone in this film is breathtaking. Like you could take practically any still shot and it's a masterpiece. The way that um, they actually had to basically, I wrote it down too, just so I don't fuck this up. Uh, they, Oh, so they had to make like entirely new CGI technology in order to realistically like represent scientific phenomena so like the black hole and all the wormhole and all that they had to actually create new cgi technology which i thought was very interesting just because that alone is a feat you know um another thing that i i appreciated that went into the film was the dedication and, and the determination to stick as true to science as possible nolan actually spoke with a like prize nobel prize winning or something um physicist or whatever her name his name was dr kip i believe i didn't write my facts down on this one all the notes to write down you didn't write this one (laughs) yeah i i didn't have isaiah with me um but they basically like he was like okay is this possible to do this like jump through a wormhole and like what would it be like and like he was trying to get it as accurate as possible just like he is with Oppenheimer and that alone you know like just the dedication into making sure it's as realistic as possible it's very hard to come across it's very hard to come by nowadays in films so uh now we could talk I could talk for hours about like the story and and stuff it's it's a good story that I okay this is going to be a task. So <laughs> the time travel concept and everything, that part of the story, I love. Everything else, not a huge fan. It's it's straight mid, as the kids say. It's um no different than any other film. It's really that time travel space aspect that makes it unique. Another interesting thing about Hans Zimmer, because I kind of got sidetracked, the song when they're on the water planet. I'm sure this is a very known fact. I know Isaiah knows this one. He's he's smirking over there. I can see him. Um, Every. 
uh, clock tick that you hear when they're on that planet is supposed to resemble a, a one and a half days on Earth. So when they're on the planet, you can actually hear in the background like a clock like ticking and that I mean, come on. And like Hans Zimmer mm-hmm. was given very little information on the film. Like, I think Nolan gave him one page mm. uh, explaining the main themes of the film. And that was it. And Hans Zimmer made this banger of a soundtrack based off of this one page. Like, all right, he might be he might might be going above John Williams <laughs> just a little bit. They're neck and neck. Oh, oh I got to look from Bob there for a second. Just, that was just a really bold statement. Like, I. <laughs> I respect it, but you were just like, hey, Hans Zimmer, the goat. John, you're fucking out. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I love John Williams. He's he's never going to I don't think he's ever going to be beaten for me. But Hans Zimmer is definitely a, a close second. And then Howard Short is probably my third favorite. So I'm just going to quickly explain. The, the only issues I had with the film was the runtime was just a little too long for me. I'm not a huge fan of like almost three hour long films in general. There's very few films that I think it's justifiable. Even Lord of the Rings. I'm like, oh, my God, why are you this long? You could cut out a lot of this story and it would still be an amazing movie. Um, So, yeah, I, I, I understand that they needed to set up the whole concept and everything, but there was a few scenes that could have cut out and it could have been like a two hours and 10 minute long film and it would have been better, but it was like two hours and 50. Um, some other fun facts I wrote down and then I'll shut up the, uh, some in of the individual frames. I'm going to go back to the CGI, some of the individual frames. So just one shot, one singular frame took up to a hundred hours to render alone. As someone who does one frame (laughs) for those who aren't uh, knowledgeable, like Lewis, uh, (laughs) wow, for some people who are just dumb. um, Yeah, (laughs) basically rendering is how would you explain rendering, Isaiah? Because I can't even think to how to explain it. Okay, well, I'll break it down to a frame. So a frame is just this is just like if you freeze it, that's a picture. Yeah. It's just One a shot. Yeah. Now you have an entire scene that's all fake. So everything in all the information that's in that frame is there. And then when it moves to the next frame, all the information is still there, but it now has to re- it now has to figure it out from the next angle. So if you skip like 30 frames, right? All the information from one angle to the next of it moving has to be rethought and reconfigured from that angle. Even though it's only like not even like barely discernible of like how next it moved. Or yeah. if it even is moving or whatever's in the shot has to be redone again to be like, okay, now this is perfect. This is what exactly it's supposed to look like. Yeah. It like and goes through all the data and, and exactly. all that. And the more stuff you have in it and like the more crazy it gets, the longer it takes to run that information. And what do you call it? This is Hollywood. Hollywood was using like the best computers, the fastest computers. And if it's taking them a hundred hours to render one frame with the best technology, God, yeah. God help everyone. I saw that and I was like, they had to have at least had, I don't know, 30 systems more than that going at a time. I'm sure there was a, it's a lot of money. That's why movies are so expensive to I'm make. I'm sure it was multiple computers up together. Yeah. Chiming on one thing here. 
I've played enough video games to understand what rendering is, Bethany. Thank you. Um, <laughs> okay, you know what? Fuck you. <laughs> you got me there. No, but but Isaiah, that that actually that breakdown is, is helpful to conceptualize it, I guess. Um, yeah, for those who don't play games or or watch a lot of films, you know. Um, <laughs> yeah. Bob, what do you have there? Out of curiosity. Are we talking drinks? I was I yes. was so curious because you guys, it looks like at least two of you are drinking cocktails. And I was. Well, yeah, no, I was yeah, very curious. I finished mine a while ago. I finished this. Oh, some you shivers. finished it? Good for yeah. you. Well, it was only like this much left. Oh, OK, OK. Fair. Uh, I've got a little tiny bottle of uh, Craig and Moore 12 year. Oh, that's a nice. single malt scotch. It is pretty nice. I don't. Uh, yes. We, uh, we just drank this on an episode that's coming out like next week. And so it's still mm. sitting on the desk. We just reviewed it. Uh, I was getting really jealous of the two of you, so I figured it was alcohol. Time. <laughs> no, it's okay. It's okay. Yeah. I, I was preparing for you to join us, actually, really. So, because I haven't had it, I'm pretty sure I haven't had anything in like a week, which is rare for me. But that makes one of us. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like deeply offended that you haven't developed a, a cocktail for this episode. That's like I listened to we your most recent a, one. We do have a podcast themed drink. We made our own drink for the show oh yeah that that thing <laughs> is yeah, that what i was listening thing. to it was like your most recently published episode and you oh, broke no, no, down no. a cocktail no, recipe no, no, no. Oh, okay. we, we okay. have an actual silver screen sip that i came up with on a on the fly uh but what was it it was bailey's there you go oh he's got it wow look at isaiah this is isaiah's our facts man where if we need anything we ask him i had a a Caracara orange. So it, it has to be a character or specifically they're very sweet. They're not yep. like heavy on the citrus. Um, a chocolate drizzle specifically. I have to remember the brand. That's the problem. Um, that fucking it's like the same one that they do for like a lot of the brownies, that red box. Mm. I just can't remember the name like, right now. Like uh, Ghirardelli? Not Ghirardelli. The other the, the very like cheap common one from public oh, oh, like, oh it's like what is no. that duncan hines or betty crocker or like one of those i think it was a betty crocker okay it was a betty crocker it was a betty crocker chocolate sauce that you drizzle you drizzle it on the caracare orange you pour yourself a shot of baileys you slam the baileys and you take a bite of your orange i'm with in the chocolate drizzle i'm in this sounds great <laughs> it's absolutely <laughs> delicious i can tell you that but um yeah, we did that for like our uh, like a what was it like a celebration of our first season being over uh, or something yeah, like it was that. Our, our listeners episode our first listener episodes we came out with it yeah i i had a bunch of different ideas kind of bouncing around but i couldn't really get the ingredients together so then i was like you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna have to just improvise and adapt yeah um and and i went on the fly with that and i made a short video and i'm pretty sure it's still on our instagram um mm-hmm. and you see me just slamming a shot of baileys and biting an orange um <laughs> <laughs> uh, in other case, I, had, I was trying to get a lot of feedback because I had just started bartending at the time um, when I used to work at Outback. And yeah, it was, it was a little difficult to get like an idea for what we could do because a lot of the first ideas we had were just B-52 bombers. to sure. match the color. Yeah. Because um, we're trying, but, to, trying to stick with our like color theme of like orange, brownish black and like a beige oh, color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're very limited when it comes to that part. Well, I was going to say, perhaps, if you wanted to do a spin on the silver screen, you could do like a silver tequila. Yeah. Oh. Do something with that. Maybe maybe put your Caracara orange in uh, in tequila and go from there. 
perhaps our season 10 listeners episode all right <laughs> <laughs> we'll we'll reassess a new tr- oh you got to be thinking now next time we invite bob back to our one of our episodes i'll have thought of something with a silver with silver tequila and a character orange although i will probably not make it through it but that's fine <laughs> are you not a tequila guy uh no i i have so i tried to treat tequila the way i do whiskey Mm-hmm. And that was my mistake. Uh, but now I don't. I kind of avoid tequila because I feel like if I drink it again, I will have that experience. Yep. Um, but I, I respect tequila very much now. And then the <laughs> the mezcal she got in our first um our sponsor. sponsor box. Yeah, uh, the mezcal. I would I would definitely play around with that. Actually, I think this the mezcal would probably also be a good choice. I have it still. But, I still have like half the bottle left. I can mess with it. If you come up with anything, let us know. I was, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say I'm sorry to get you so off track, but we started talking oh, no. alcohol and I feel like I'm in my, my element now. No, oh, no, yeah. I know, definitely. Yeah. But uh it makes three of us. Yeah, Isaiah, what do you have? I have a can of Coke and a <laughs> bottle of Bacardi. There you go. There you go. <laughs> he, he loves Bacardi. Sorry. Just... The world the world's best cocktail right there. Yeah. yeah. Rum and the Coke. World's most man. famous cocktail, yeah. yeah. Most common. Mm-hmm. But yeah, sorry to derail from Interstellar there. I did want to add also, mm-hmm. I did confirm uh, one of your facts. It was Dr. Kip Thorne. Thank was you. Re- was the Nobel laureate astrophysicist. Ooh. That's a fake name. There's no way that person's name is <laughs> no, no, Kip his Thorne. Name is dead ass Kip Thorne. <laughs> He's probably I, from Australia. That man is on the run from someone. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no. My name's totally Kip Thorne. What are you yeah. I might about? have won the Nobel Prize. <laughs> However, my bookie's still looking for me. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I'm surprised with how well I remembered those facts. Well, for me. Uh, I found his Wikipedia. Uh, his Kip name Thorne? is Kip, Kip Stephen Thorne. So Kip is his full first name. It's not short for like Kippington Kip- or something. Like it's just Kipley. No, no. There, there, there is our Nobel laureate. Kip. What? Nobel. Oh, he's laureate. old. Yeah, he's old as shit, but. Um, <laughs> I did see a mention of. I was not of expecting that. He's a oh, longtime man. friend of Stephen Hawking and Carl Sagan. That's uh I love that's, that that's his biography. Is like yeah. Kip Thorne was bros with of. these two other most famous people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. the The second thing I was going to throw in here, uh, one of the facts I guess you didn't. I don't know if you wrote it down or it wasn't really relevant, but uh, apparently Anne Hathaway um developed hypothermia hypothermia i don't know i guess where they were filming was cold and she um actually started getting hypothermia but they pushed through the rest of the scene and then she was fine i tried looking for the scene where like to see if she looked like she was dying but i couldn't find it i like the way you described it though bethany which was like she was getting hypothermia but then they just pushed through it and then she was fine like, yeah, like she, she willed it. herself into not having <laughs> hypothermia. <laughs> she literally had five minutes before she, uh, you know, went through irreversible damage and possible right. fatal injuries. Yeah. But they just pushed through it. She right. acted through it, you know? She acted as if she was fine, then she was fine. <laughs> it's dedication at its finest. <laughs> That's right. I would like to just note that, now I do like Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan is one of my favorite directors. However, it's with an asterisk. <laughs> <laughs> Because I do feel like he's made a lot of great movies. The problem is there's very rarely that he gets like a five out of five for me. I feel like a lot of the movies, there are, a lot of the movies are good. There's like a lot of four out of fives. But I 
feel like he kind of hit his peak and has kind of just been level for a while. I don't feel like he's what was kind his of, peak. I would say Inception is was his peak. Okay. And then, that's what I was thinking was Inception. Let's see if Oppenheimer is yeah, uh, yeah. maybe it'll nothing. be like a kind of like an up and down. Because the thing is, like the way I kind of figured out of how he is is he's got good moments in his movies. Like for Interstellar, I love I liked Interstellar. I love the music. We call it Hans Zimmer the soundtrack. The theme. I have a friend who's learning the theme to play on the piano and stuff like that. That's what I want to do. Oh my god, the docking scene is like the be- one of the best scenes in like cinema history. Like, it's so powerful and I love it. The problem is that I don't remember any of the movie. It is a two and a half hour movie. I don't remember any of it other than the docking scene. And what do you call it? The the I forgot what's called when he's like going through the dimensions. Yeah, yeah. You don't <laughs> remember Anne Hathaway telling him like. Love can travel through wormholes, man. Like that's, that's... <laughs> yeah, that was kind of dumb. I forgot what we. I was I was looking at some like reviews of it, and there was a YouTuber. I forgot who it was, but he had mentioned that the reason the movie isn't that good, like it isn't like a five out of five, is because the theme and the tone is just in your face. You know, most movies is like oh the subtext. You kind of learn what the theme is. You kind of figure it out yourself. The problem with this movie is that. That scene specifically straight up just tells you what it's about. Mm-hmm. There's no learning about it. There's no figuring it out. There's no like, okay, I, this is what my takeaway is from this or anything. I'm just going to straight up tell you what this movie is about. Okay, now move on. <laughs> like, it just doesn't work. Yeah, I, I will say that, that that part of the film, I didn't write that down, but I, I should have. Um, that whole monologue with her, with, yeah, that, that just felt like, not out of place, but it felt almost out of character for her too. Because she seemed like this strong, smart, scientist, like astronaut lady. (laughs) Don't know what her official title was. That had one mission. It was like to save the world, you know. Mm -hmm. And now she's like, oh, there's a man involved that I like. Let me go talk about him and completely use my heart and not my head. Like any woman would. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But (laughs) anyways. But yeah, no, that that did feel yeah, out of place. It kind of took me out of it in that moment. I was like, what is happening? Felt kind of like a teenage movie. Yeah. I, I actually still have yet to watch Interstellar. Oh, you gotta see it. Wait, so where are you landing? Like rating? Yeah, what's your rating? Oh, I gave it a five out of five. She oh, just okay. she just had some mild critiques. I had some mild critiques, um, but they're immediately um, surpassed by or overlooked by the uh, rest of the film and what went into it and stuff. Also, one last little note, and then I'll actually shut up for good. Um, <laughs> the by the end of the film, they had over eight hundred terabytes of data. Wow. Just wanted to throw that out there. Oh my god, that's a lot. Yeah, that is that is eight hundred Call of Duty games for those who don't understand. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah no there's um a lot went into it and i think that that's what it deserves credit for so anyways end of my endless monologue so lewis why don't we end it with a bang wow <laughs> a lot of pressure there yeah. um i i can't make the full decision to commit to his particular score between either a five out of five or four out of five. Let the right one in. I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a couple of facts as well, actually let the right one in. Um, there is a 2008 film, the Swedish film 
There is the American version, which is 2010 Let Me In, directed by Matt Reeves. There is a TV series, apparently, that's being uh, launched, I think, on either Amazon Prime or HBO. I did not know that. Yeah. Also, who suggested this film real quick before we forget? Tom. Tom. I believe. I believe it was Tom C. Thanks, Tom. So Tom is actually the guy who was just... Yeah, it's the same guy. Yeah, same same guy. Let the right one in. Actually won four Goldbug Awards, which included the Best Director for Thomas Alfredson, Mm -hmm. Best Cinematography for... I hope I pronounced this correctly. Hold on. Hoyt Van Hoytema. Nice. Best Screenplay for John Ashvid Lindqvist. Man, they're really trying you today. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, I know I know I pronounced his last name right, but because um, I actually looked that one up. <laughs> um, it won a Saturn Award for Best International Film and the Empire Award for Best Horror Film. Definitely deserves a lot of accolades um, or deserving of its many accolades that it, that it has uh, achieved. It received the Nordic Film Prize. That's also something I forgot to mention. Bob, you were going to say something. Yeah, I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, you no, were no, on no, a no, with your Swedish, Swedish awards. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, uh, fun fact, Hoyt von Hoytema, or however you say his name, uh, has become really successful DP in America, and he was the DP on uh, Interstellar. Hello. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and yeah. now it all connects. There it is. Uh, it comes full circle. Wouldn't it be crazy <laughs> if I was like, and also Chinatown? Like, <laughs> and also Chinatown. He was 12 when he was the cinematographer in Chinatown. Now it's technically a romantic horror film. Uh. No. So here's the thing I will give to Alfredson, and I definitely, uh, he's deserving of his award for best director. I think he made the right move. He personally was not a fan of like this whole idea of vampires and horror and whatnot so he kind of pulled away from the novel a bit and focused mainly on the main characters i think he did an excellent job in doing that i think the adherence to some of the main themes from the novel was done very well and overall i think it was it made it a better film to not focus on this whole idea of it being surrounding vampires that's only like a small insight into what the film is about but uh, overall i think it was definitely a unique film that stands out of my memory as far as horror films. My criticism, I think, lies more so in some of the transitions in the story, like especially the ending, the buildup in the story, the setting they've they've created. It doesn't make sense for the ending to go that way. So that, I, I feel like that's why I, I don't give it a full five out of five. I, I actually will settle on a four point five out of five for an excellent film. Uh, definitely enjoyed watching it. Definitely worth the two hours. It is. Uh, it's about. I think it's an hour and fifty-seven minutes or something like that. But it's definitely worth two hours of your time. It was actually since we were having a discussion the other day about watching foreign films. Uh, this was definitely one of those films that I would. I, I'm grateful to have watched. Being you know like being a foreign film, I read up on the American version. I feel like it's not as good. That's usually how it goes when things are dubbed. <laughs> It's a dumb. <laughs> well, no, I know, but I think of like Squid Games is what I'm thinking of. It's like the shitty version. Mr. Beast, you know? Yeah. 
You know, Beth, you do know that the version, the American version, is a remake and not like a dubbed version, right? Of Let the Right One In. Yeah, it's yeah. called Let Me Yeah, yeah no, 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 no. I totally understand. I'm just saying, usually when anyone tries to take something that was foreign and make it not foreign, it usually doesn't go right. Like the delivery is not the same. Right. No, I, I, I understand. And, and I didn't watch the film myself, like the, the American version, I mean. So I can't for sure say that it's not going to be a good movie. I feel like mm-hmm. uh, from what I read, they stuck very much to the original plot. They stuck very much to the original story. They just kind of adapted it a little bit. So it should still be a good film. I just feel like mm, this one may have done, been done better. I also want to say for the time it was released, and props to the special effects, props to the, the cinematography from Hoyt. And yeah, that, that's uh, that's about all I have to say so much, really. Uh, the main facts I had was the awards it won. I was like, wow, you know, like, that's cool. So four and a half, you said four and a half. I will derail the five. That was another one of the films, actually, that they that was in that small rotation of school films was let the right one in. So as that was actually one of the films I saw, that was the only time I saw it was in school. And um, it, I only saw it once. So maybe that's why I like this one. <laughs> yeah. um, but it was good. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember no, I, much of it because I wasn't in class. So I was like half paying attention. But from what I remember, I remember being like, oh, this is making vampires not lame. Like, because whenever I think vampires, I always just immediately connected to Twilight. And mm-hmm. it's like this cringy sparkly shimmery man and it's like i don't that's not a vampire to me so when i saw that i was like oh this is a, a darker take on it and it's way better yeah it's not i wouldn't even say it's so much a darker take i i want to say it's just they don't centralize centralize the the theme of like vampire right they talk more about like the 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 human condition the reality of like what it is to be a child in school and being bullied and on all these other things. They, they focus on a bunch of other themes that are more universal, I guess. Yeah. Than like something, you know, you have to kind of suspend your disbelief and Bob, yeah, well. do you know anything about this movie or Isaiah? So I know about the movie. I've never seen it. And like, if I have a sensitivity with movies, it's like, I have to really learn a lot about a movie. That's a horror movie featuring kids in it before mm-hmm. I like give into it. Like, I just there's something about especially like with foreign films where they're just not afraid to, like, you know, decapitate a kid or something like that's just that's like yeah. my personal limit. And so I'm kind of like, I don't know, um, but I've heard nothing but good things about this movie. And uh, yeah, I, I should probably check it out at some point. I think that. Was, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to say when you talked about decapitating kids, I was going to be like, have you seen Hereditary? Hereditary, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's not a foreign film, but yeah. Yeah, <laughs> that one that one was gnarly. I don't that know what bad. it is with like Swedish movies either, but like that nation just uh, apparently. They don't give a shit. They thrive on like plumbing the depths of human depravity. Like, yeah, you know, that's where um, uh, Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, like that originated there mm-hmm. too, right? You know, and even going back to Ingmar Bergman, who just never made a happy movie in his life. Like <laughs> I've very never true, seen like true. the Oscar reel where they're like best foreign film. And it's like some happy rom-com from Sweden. Like they just don't mess no. with that stuff. Since you mentioned, I guess that theme, I don't know if you've heard of a Serbian film. Oh gosh. 
Have I've you seen never it? watched it, but I, I've read all about it, and I'm I'm good. Uh, I know. <laughs> I, I've, I've read all about it. I'm, I've I've tried to see if I could find it like for free access, just to see if I could make it even through like thirty minutes. But next listeners episode. <laughs> Anyone listening, put that in the suggestion. Whoever, so what is it? I've never even heard of it. Okay, what's so it called? That, a Serbian uh, film? Yes, it's literally called a Serbian film. Um, a critic said, "I felt like my soul was." I'll, I'll beat that how, one out. Don't worry about I it. Say, I'm pretty, I'm pretty <laughs> sure that the government like seizes your computer if you Google search uh, a Serbian film. Oh, no, well, they don't. But, I'm, look, <laughs> I, yeah, I'm looking at images right now, and I'm like, "What the?" To to go back to um, let the right one in. Isaiah, did you have anything to add? Yes, I, it's funny that Bob says that he hasn't heard anything like anyone say anything bad about the movie because I'm about to ruin that. <laughs> oh, God, wow. I don't like this movie. <laughs> I really don't. Okay. I gave it a two out of five. And why is What's that? What's your quippy one liner? Let me look it up. I didn't. It, I don't think I have one. It, this was before I started doing that. I'll fact check you. Now, I understand the universe, like they try to take vampires, right? Make a universal, have like this universal tone that everybody can agree with. <laughs> or like you know can relate to of being bullied and all that kind of stuff, but <laughs> I think what also Bob was saying about the Swedish just depravity and just like just don't care, like they were trying to push some type of weird pedophilic tones for some reason. Mm-hmm. It was just I just don't understand. It just didn't have anything to do with it. Like it felt like there was subtext about pedophilia, but it didn't feel like it was a hey this is bad. <laughs> it kind of mm-hmm. went like. It kind of let what the cuties route of, um, hey, we're going to show you it. And you're going to like, oh, I tried to forget about that. Oh, God. Damn. Like, hey, we call, we're going to show it because you're supposed to feel uncomfortable. But then in it inadvertently kind of just, well, you shouldn't have shown it in the first place because it kind of just doesn't match the message or anything like that. That's the vibe I got. And that's why I, I think don't like my it. brain blocked that fucking shit out. <laughs> I, didn't, I, would, I know anybody who watched that movie is like on an FBI watch list and I'm not going to be part of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watch which um, movie. Let me let the right one no, in or cuties. No, cuties. <laughs> oh, okay. In the book, there is actually like themes of uh, there, there's discussion about pedophilia because there was the, the guy who's assisting the vampire at first. Yeah. In the book, he is a pedophile. Anyways, so <laughs> we're demonetized. <laughs> we're demonetized. Bob's I was going to say, back. you're not going to go into an ad read out of this discussion. Like, it's not going to. We actually, we are. <laughs> oh, no. No. <laughs> oh, no. So rainbows and ponies and unicorns. Okay, go, Lewis. Okay. If you enjoy listening to movie-related podcasts like us, then we've got another great show you'll love. The Michael Blake Green Approved Podcast is a brand new show hosted by actor, comedian, and radio personality Michael Blake Green. With a new episode every Tuesday, Michael talks about what it's like to be a working actor, shares hilarious stories, and promotes his upcoming comedy shows. Recently, he released a sci-fi short film titled Anti-Artificial, which is available for streaming on YouTube.com. You can also find the Michael Blake Green Approved Podcast on YouTube or on the TuneIn app. So, um, human centipede. I just know. <laughs> <All right. laughs> Bob. Yes. You go by Bob. I'm really Bobby. nervous about what you're going to ask me now. Like Rob- coming out of that conversation. <laughs> I don't know. We we, we have uh, a set of questions for you, actually. <laughs> you ever visited Serbia? <laughs> <laughs> we just wanted to ask like a couple questions. Um, 
kind of about you and what you do and stuff. If you, if you will let us social security number, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, I I got to get my notes down. Yeah. Right. Since you love Chinatown so much, if you could pair a whiskey Mm. to that movie, like see people pair wine with fish. What would you? Oh, what? interesting. That's the thing. I didn't um, mind fish. Mm-hmm. It's, it's like a real seedy, hard-boiled detective story. And it's like real. Lots of it takes place at nighttime. And so I, like, I think of a really, like something that's going to kind of punch you in the face when you drink it. So I think of like a really peaty scotch, like a really smoky, like a Lagavulin or a Lafroig, like something in that ballpark. Uh, if it's good, if it smells or tastes like someone extinguished their cigar in your whiskey, then like <laughs> you're you're on the right path. <laughs> That's perfect. That is a a great answer because I wouldn't even know what to pick for like Interstellar. Like if I had to pick just any drink in general, I don't even know what the fuck I'd do for Interstellar. <laughs> Something out of this world, like absinthe. Yeah. <laughs> I want you to drink something that will take you out of this planet into another existence. Moonshine. Right. There, there it is. Because <laughs> it's literally, oh, that's the one. Uh, what, what I can think of as far as uh, from what I've read about Chinatown, uh, I would definitely think Lefroig is, is a good pairing. I did read up on your bio on the Film and Whiskey podcast. Um, I do understand that you and Brad were in grad school together. You guys fell in love with bourbon. But uh, I guess my question is more so, was there a specific inspiration behind creating a podcast around that? So I had wanted to do a podcast for a while and I tried and like immediately failed to just like launch one on my own because I was like, all right, well, how am I going to do a podcast if it's just me? Well, I have to have like a big brash personality and I'll do like a I'll do like a sports podcast or something and I can be like Colin Cowherd or like, and then I immediately <laughs> realized people don't really like that. And also who am I? Like, I'm just a guy ranting into a microphone uh, about like Cleveland sports. No one wanted to hear this. And so like, it was kind of immediately back to the drawing board, but the desire was still there. And mm-hmm. I think I just kind of went back to, all right, what's something that I actually really love and can talk about and it won't sound forced. And I I settled back on movies and it was around the same time that I started getting into these debates with Brad about like, what do you mean you haven't seen this movie? Like, and why do you have an opinion on it if you haven't seen it? And then (laughs) it became like, you you gotta (laughs) watch the movie, man. And, uh, you know, we had had a few pours of whiskey and it was like, all right, let's just do this. Let's sit down. I'll let you share your piece and then I'll tell you from, you know, the more educated pinky in the air perspective, like why you're wrong and then that it, it, morphed, <laughs> it morphed into what it is today so yeah that was kind of the inspiration behind it. um and it was kind of just like you know if we're gonna have these arguments anyway we might as well put them out there into the ether and see if anyone will take my side or your side and we can prove each other wrong i love that. I like that I yeah. like that yeah. um to, to my understanding of our backstory i guess uh, before we really got this together, I don't know what conversations you had with Isaiah before we actually settled on doing this. But I remember Beth and I had had multiple conversations about like, you know, she she had been listening to a podcast about like conspiracies 
or something like that. Um, and we had thought about creating our own and we could, you know, I could be a guest and come on and discuss specific theories with her and so on and so forth. Um, and then somehow we ended up discussing, Hey, why don't we start watching movies and just talk about it, talk shit together. Yeah. And here we are. Uh, mm. and then, you know, it's like one big hangout. Yeah. The the way that you phrased that, it made it sound like you were saying, why don't we create our own conspiracy? And I was like, I would listen to that. Like yeah. just I mean well, totally the, uh, make up something. I will the say the moon is hollow, guys. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I will say that the I still am like would love to do that the conspiracy theory concept, maybe further down the road, but Mm. Yeah, it was basically we would have I would I would I was going to be like the main host and have different guests come on with different conspiracy theories and try to convince me that they're real. So they would present all the facts behind the theory and basically like the like change my mind segment kind of thing, prove me wrong kind of thing. And can I ask you guys a question real quick? Sure. Just like. Like one sentence. If there was a conspiracy that you were to believe, which one would it be? Oh, because like, I don't know if I'm totally sold on any of them, but I think the one that makes the most sense to me would be like chemtrails. Like, Mm. you know what I mean? Like the idea that like the jet streams that you see in the sky are actually a way of like dispersing chemical agents or whatever. Like, I'm like, I could I could see that being true. I don't know if I believe it, but it it sounds semi plausible. I think birds are drones. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. No, I don't know. I have a, I have a, I'm not going to mention their name, but I know someone who legitimately believes that the moon landing was faked. I know a couple people like that in the restaurant industry. So they think we eventually got to the moon, but at the time that we stated with like Louis Armstrong and all that, that was that specific event was Neil fake. Armstrong, Neil Armstrong, not, not Louis. Louis, Louis is Armstrong is up player. on the moon. Oh, fuck. So, uh, <laughs> oh, man. I always fuck the name up, too. Yeah. No, the best part for me is that she that's not the first time she said that like that. <laughs> I really wish I that's that should be your conspiracy is that Neil Armstrong was actually just Louis Armstrong. Yeah, they're related and they're yeah, I, <laughs> that's yeah. mine. Yeah, no, absolutely. Isaiah, do you have any? There is one that I was like, yeah, no, that's 100 percent true. And I cannot I for the life of me remember what it was. And it's it's I know I've discussed it with you, Beth. I know I've told you it, and I can't remember it. <laughs> I do think Area 51. There's something going on there. That's the one that I'm like, even if it's not what people say it is there's definitely something top secret they're keeping hidden for a reason mm-hmm. so that's i think that would be the one that i would have to get behind that and lewis armstrong oh Bill my armstrong. god i it's gonna like it's gonna bug me now that i don't remember what that i can go through a list you got the moon landing um the moon's made JFK. of cheese yeah i would say jfk <laughs> is the big one right that's a big one there's so many weird, like, if it has anything to do with, like, the CIA doing something on the American people, I'm going to be like, you know what? <laughs> oh, it's plausible. I, I'm sorry. I take back what I said. The one I can, I, for a fact, can get behind is your phones and devices are always listening. And, oh, yeah, like, absolutely. when you get, like, the targeted yes. ads and you were just talking absolutely. about it. Absolutely. 
that one, like the big brother kind of thing where it's like, they're always listening, you know, like mm. that's the one I'm like, Oh yeah. I'm surprised I haven't been arrested, but anyway, <laughs> um, oh, no. I have a conspiracy theory that I think I'm the only one that has ever, maybe not ever stated it. Um, the slap heard around the world from the Oscars was staged. That's that's facts. <laughs> okay. All right. Birds of drones, bro. Come on. Yeah. Birds of drones. Sorry. <laughs> stupid, stupid. Um, uh, keep your your wife's name. <laughs> keep your wife's name out of my fucking mouth. <laughs> uh, Isaiah, yes. what's your question? My question is, um, well, so your podcast is about film and whiskey. So I, I obviously have to ask, what's your favorite film and what's your favorite whiskey? And there's a part two to this question. Do you know what a four horseman is? <laughs> oh, all right. I'll answer part two first, because I was listening to one of your more recent episodes <laughs> where you guys mentioned how much you hated the four horsemen. And I like I know a lot of cocktails. I had never heard of a four horseman and found out that it was this unholy concoction. Um, I've not tried it yet. But I don't oh. like whiskeys don't often play so I'm well together. So you're judging before you've tried it. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> I just don't know if it would taste good. Like it, there's it doesn't. Like, it's, the it's, way, it's not really meant to taste good. Is it just a shooter? Like what do you do? Yeah, with it's it? just a shooter. Knock oh, okay. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's just to make you regret life. That's really it. No, it's, it's it's kind of meant to be like you're you're let's let's have fun or let's forget a bad day or yeah you know. Uh, but it's three quarters of of uh, Johnny Jack, J- Jim Beam, and Jameson. Three quarters That's, of each. That goes down easy for me at this point. Like I'll, let's yeah. let's do it. I'll pound them no, with you guys next time it, we for, come on for, for yeah. like real. Um, I guess whiskey connoisseurs, it, it's going to be a very smooth thing for people who don't tend to drink whiskey or drink alcohol in general. It's that. obviously not a fun time. <laughs> <laughs> I love whiskey. I just don't like all four of them combined. Yeah, yeah. I, I get that. But I'll drink it for the sake of like if we're having fun, you know, if we're yeah. out having a good time. Sure. But I'm never going to be like, oh. I could go for a four horseman right now. <laughs> like, I was going to say, like, you might be hanging out with the wrong crowd if that's their idea of a good time. Like, hey, do you like a whiskey? How about let's mix four of them together and see what comes out the other side? Like, that just doesn't sound right, like Liz, a good plan. We're not friends anymore. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, I actually want to. So here's the thing. I want to blame your boyfriend and not me. Because he's always the one who orders it. He does. He, for some reason, he actually, he's an insane man. He actually likes, like, the I, flavor. I like them, too. I actually, like, I actually like them. But it's because it's, I like the four <laughs> whiskey not, not together <laughs> right usually yeah. not together usually not together but like it, it's for me it's the thing is that that goes down smoothly for me versus like i can see the look on jacob's face when he slams one so okay so four horsemen you're gonna try it and you'll let us know what you think absolutely i'll write a Great. long manifesto send it write in, it in you guys. letterbox yeah, absolutely <laughs> yeah. zero yeah. out of five don't do this to yourself it's gonna yeah. be on your it's gonna be the only thing on your chinatown review <laughs> right <Yeah. laughs> Well, I was going to say, what was the, the other question is uh, favorite movie, favorite movie and favorite whiskey. All right. Uh, favorite movie. I've gotten to the point where I've watched so many movies that I don't feel like I have to give a pretentious answer anymore. Like it, it's literally just like this is not the best movie I've ever seen, but it's the movie that comforts me the most. Mm-hmm. And it's probably it's got to be something by Spielberg. Like it's got to either be 
I think Jurassic Park is a perfect movie. And the older I get, the more I think E.T. is also a perfect movie. Uh, I, it's probably E.T., if I'm being honest. But, you know, when I'm trying not to seem like a softie, I'll say Jurassic Park. But it's one of those two. Have you seen uh, The Fablemans yet by him? I Oh, I have. Yeah, so good. I have not seen it yet. I want to. He's my, one of my favorite directors as well, just because he really, like you said, it's like that. He's a comfort kind of director for sure like you watch his movies and you're like ah i feel like a kid again kind of a thing yeah but uh, um fav- favorite I whiskey i will say like i'm a big bourbon guy and so in the world of bourbon i don't like to get again i, I, I don't like to get pretentious about it like i'm not going to tell people to go try to chase a bottle that costs hundreds of dollars like i want to tell people to go into the liquor store and find this bottle that's affordable and like available Mm-hmm. And there is a line of uh, bourbon called Rebel. It used to be called Rebel Yell, but they <laughs> they've distanced themselves from the Confederate sounding name and just called it Rebel now. Um, <laughs> and there's a there's a 100 proof version. Rebel 100 is 20 bucks and it's really, really good. And write that down. yeah. And there's like you can get their higher end stuff, but even their higher end stuff like Rebel Distillers Collection is only like 50 bucks. And I think the distillers collection is probably my favorite thing to drink. Like if I was just going to pull something off the shelf on a day to day basis, like it would be that. Uh, But Rebel 100 is 20 bucks and it's never out of stock. So I was about to say this one is actually 17 here at Total Wine. There you go. Adding it to the cart. (laughs) Uh, Bob, to to follow up on that, actually. um, Because I'm I'm more of a scotch, but I I do want to. I can give you a good scotch, too, because that was like I was actually torn. There's a there's a bottle of Glenmorangie. It's called the the Quinta Rubin, and it's aged in port wine casks. It's 14 years old. It's like 50 bucks. It's super affordable, and it is like okay. the tastiest. Anyone who's like looking to get into scotch, I tell them get the Glenmorangie Quinta Rubin because it is like it's lights out, man. So good. Have you heard of wild turkey? Right? Oh, yeah. American honey. Yeah big fan or no so i don't usually drink a lot of flavored whiskeys but there's definitely like a spectrum of good to fireball and uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah and uh the honey ones are you can't really do wrong with the honey ones like there's a jack daniels honey and wild turkey honey they're both pretty good uh crown royal makes a an apple one that's really good i so Bra- yeah. crown royal is to me, one of the ones that I cannot stand except for the apple. Yeah, you got to put some flavoring in it to make it a yeah. little bit more palatable yeah. for sure. Whistle pig. Oh, yeah. Whistle pig's good. That's a really good one. That's expensive, yeah, that's but that's a, a good that's one. That's a rye. Yep. Yeah. No, my, my favorite uh, flavored whiskey was um, Bird Dog's Blackberry Whiskey. You know, I've never tried any of the Bird Dog ones. They're like really, really inexpensive, and they always yeah. hit that zone where I'm like, "This is eight dollars. Is this a like? Is this a bad decision?" <laughs> you know. I first saw it when I was working as a server. Someone was gifted a bottle of Bird Dog, and I was like, "That sounds interesting." And then, like a couple years later, I actually tried it at a liquor store. I just personally liked it, like as a blackberry whiskey. I haven't tried like a non-flavored version or any of the other flavors, uh, but I definitely enjoyed that one at least. Oh, uh, nice! It, and I, and I did notice it said like award-winning whiskey. I was like, oh. That's, you know, I'm, I'm going to at least go with that. It was probably awarded by that same like Swedish body of award givers <laughs> that did the vampire yeah. movie. You know, yeah. My favorite whiskey to give people. I don't know if you've had this one. And this is strictly as a shot 
of whiskey mm-hmm. is Howler Head. Oh, that's the banana flavored one. Yeah. I haven't tried it. Is it good? It's if you like super artificial flavored banana, it's yeah. not bad. It is very banana forward, but I it's not a good sipping drink, but it's definitely not bad as like a shot. Like if people mm-hmm. are like, oh, I don't like whiskey. And that's like what I all I got. They're usually OK with it. They're like, oh, that's not that bad. I'm like, yeah, because it just tastes like banana. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. With a kick. But um, we have a smoker and we smoked it with I think it was pecan wood chips. Oh, nice. And that that really changed it. It was good. I got to try that. I have cherry as well. I have to try the cherry with banana. I don't know if you guys uh, have the palate of a five-year-old like me but um i'm a big fan of peanut butter and banana like together Mm. like i'll do a peanut butter banana sandwich sometimes and i've always wondered about mixing the peanut butter whiskey with the banana whiskey and seeing how that came out yeah i gotta do it one of these days so i haven't that's the one whiskey i have not really tried is peanut butter or peanut butter flavored any kind of alcohol i haven't right i'm a little worried to try it (laughs) i did have pickle Pickle whiskey. That was disgusting. That was the worst thing on earth. I had an old coworker who used to, um, every time we went out, he would always order um, chilled screwball. Wow. Okay. Chilled. And then I had the bartender I worked with. Uh, she was a fireball person. I'm sorry. Finish a bottle by herself. <laughs> How old is she? She was an alcoholic uh, and probably older than me. <laughs> That's not no. an age. <laughs> Yikes. She was an alcoholic and she was older than me. I don't remember okay. how old she was, but she was older than me. <laughs> Usually when people say their favorite drink is Fireball, they're like 18. No, she was like in her 30s. Oh, okay. Well, anyways. <laughs> just, just throw it out there. Last I saw her, she stopped drinking completely. She has a kid. Good for her. Oh, good for her. Good for her. So. Yeah. Well, that, we came back around on that. That ended in a very touching moment. That was, that was very Spielbergian. See? There we go. <laughs> so no more snuff films. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well... I guess we'll do our sign off. Yeah. Thank you, Bob, for joining us today um, for our listeners episode. We had a lot of fun. Yeah. Thank um, you for having me. You know, definitely. Yeah, of course. Uh, if you want, why don't you tell our listeners where to find you? It's called Film and Whiskey, Whiskey with an E. Uh, you can find it on all the major podcast platforms. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, at Film Whiskey. Uh, and then our website is filmwhiskey.com. So we tried to stay pretty consistent with the branding there. <laughs> good but yeah definitely go follow them give them a listen and then also while you're at it share this episode and this podcast with your family and friends because then we can you know grow a bit bigger and it's a huge help for us and if we haven't touched on a film yet that you want us to review then you can send more suggestions at silverscreensips at gmail.com this is finally the end of season seven so we posted a poll on our instagram for what franchise we're going to do next and uh, the results are in and it was like neck and neck i was i kept looking every like hour and it kept going back and forth between hunger games and um james bond but in the end hunger games won so that gen z that gen z came in (laughs) how unfortunate yeah so we'll be watching the first hunger games in the next episode God, I haven't seen that film in forever. That's going to be weird. But yeah, thank you again, Bob, for dealing with our bullshit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you guys. And uh, what what do they say? May the odds be uh, in your favor. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. (laughs)